interest-free for so many months and all of that. But you better start reading all the fine print on all that. The only way to really use a credit card and to be biblically correct and not um, incorrect is to pay that card off every 30 days when it comes in. Or you're using it incorrectly. And so you don't use it for your household needs. You've got to only use credit for uh, when it's only necessary. Okay? Then secondly, follow the biblical plan for giving. We talked about this morning. We've got to start with our tithe. That's the first place to start. Then we've got to include an offering. Okay? So we start with a tithe. That's the base. That's the floor. That's not the ceiling. Because as I said this morning, until you've given an offering, you really haven't given God anything because the tithe belongs to, according to Leviticus, belongs to God. So it's already God's. And then don't forget our responsibility for those that are poor. Then we've got to take care of them. Here's the fifth step. Recognize God's provisions. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all of your needs. Not all of your wants, but all your needs according to his riches and glory. And that means in order to have our spending where it needs to be, we've got to put others before self. You've got to start thinking about somebody else other than yourself. And that means also don't make snap decisions and stay away from excesses. Excesses get us in trouble. And so you got to stay away from those things and not make on-the-spur-of-the-moment decisions. Now, none of y'all have ever done that. None of y'all have ever gone to Gatlinburg like I did and signed for a, a, a timeshare. Hmm. None of y'all have ever done that, have you? Okay. And then none of you probably did like I did when you got home and you just was in within the window and you called and canceled that sucker. That's what I did. I said, you know, Kathy, we had lost our ever-loving mind. We can't pay for a time chair. Why in the world would we do that? And, boy, I'm telling you, once you sign on the dotted line and then you call them back and tell them you're not going to do it anymore, it's almost like an act of Congress to get them to not do that thing and to keep it from going through. But we often make snap decisions. And we often do it, and these folks that sell you stuff know that you're going to do it because they look at you, and they figure out between the two of you, if you're married, which one is the easy mark, don't they? They really do. And then they start playing against that. And then if you got one of your kids with you, they really work you over. And next thing you know, I don't care if it's a timeshare or what it is, if you're not careful, you'll make a snap decision and then you'll be into something that you can't afford and that you really don't need. And so we have to be aware of that and not make those kind of decisions. And so here's some tips for how we need to handle our money. First of all, we've got to use uh, a spending plan, okay? So that means you've got to start with your available income, tithe and IRS taxes. We've got to pay those. Start with the income, then you go to your tithe and your IRS taxes. What's coming off first? Well, you know Uncle Sam's going to get his before anybody else does, right? So he's going to take his out. It's called withdrawing, withholdings. And so so when you're doing that withholding, you need to go ahead and withhold your tithe because it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. So start there. 
Let God do a miracle with a 90%. And I shared with you earlier, he will do that. So you start with a tithe and IRS taxes. And once you take that away, you come up with your net spendable income. And that's what you really have to spend. And then once you do that, the second thing you got to do is you've got to stay with your spending plan. Now, up on the screen, and I don't know if you can see that well enough. Hopefully, you can. <clears throat> you've got an individual category ledger, okay? And then the handouts, you'll see that you've got kind of the same type things uh, available to you where you've got some worksheets there where you can use this in order to use to be able to come up with some plans of your own. You don't have that particular sheet, so let me just explain to you what this is. Stay with spending plan, and so here you've got um, category ledger. So what you've got to do um, is you've got this thing in the the handouts. Let me call it to your attention. Debt elimination plan. You see this sheet here? It looks like this. It says, list all your creditors except your house in one car. Y'all see that sheet? Nod your head this way. All right, do you do do you see this sheet? Thank you. All right. Then you do. That's what I'm talking about. List all of that. Now, hey, let's be honest. If you got to, before you start writing on it, make you another copy. Because you might have more than you fill up on one page. Okay? So write down all your debts. You probably don't even have any idea how much you owe to who, what the payment is, and all of those kind of things. So you got to write those things down. In each category, and you have an expense category for everything, and keep all of that together. And don't allow your debt to get out of control. And here's another handy tip that we need to realize that a lot of people do, don't do, is we need to balance our checkbook so we'll know where we are. Now, that's something that folks don't always get taught, and we assume that they're going to get taught that in school, but... We can't assume the school system is going to teach our kids how to handle money. Let's just be honest about it. The people that need to teach their kids how to handle money are the people that have the kids so that they'll know how to handle it when they get old enough to have their own money. And so that means when I was growing up that my mama and daddy, and I know this might sound old school to some of y'all, but on Saturday night wasn't going out to eat night and doing everything else. Saturday night was getting ready to go to church next morning. And so what that meant for us and getting ready to go to church meant that we had to get all the shoes out. There was three boys. We had to get our shoes out. We had to get our shoes polished. We had to know where the belts were. We had to know where everything was. Our Bibles were put there right by the door. And on top of the Bible was what? An envelope. And in that envelope was what? A tithe. And so there was a tithe of my allowance that went in that envelope. And I still use an envelope today because guess what? Mama and Daddy taught me how to use one. So if you're not using envelopes with your children, you're missing a great blessing, and they're not going to learn about tithing because you're not teaching them. So I'm going to quit preaching now and gone to meddling. But the reality of it is they've got to be taught. And the youth in your church... You think it's bad now the way people are giving to churches? Guess what it's going to be for the next generation? If we don't teach them how to handle their money. Now, your kids might be like my youngest daughter, Dottie. She's real smart. 
And so when I give Dottie an allowance and I send a Dottie, now out of that allowance, 10% of that goes to your envelope to go to church tomorrow morning. Why have I got to do that? Because, you know, the old rule when you parent, don't you? Because I said so. Okay, so I'd say, ah, because I said so. Well, now, wait a minute, Dad. Haven't you already tithed off that money? So why am I having to tithe off of you? Isn't that like a double tithe? I said, no. Whose money is it? I gave this money to you, and now it's your money. Yes, I tithe my part off of it, but now you got to tithe because it belongs to you. And so we've got to teach our children and our young people about how to use money. So they got to manage the checkbook carefully. Don't do like my brother, and I won't pick on it. It's not Dennis, my other brother. He went off to college. His mother taught him how to do a checkbook, and he thought that was the silliest thing. He'd just start rounding things off to the nearest dollar, either round it down or round it up. Then he called one day and said, Mom, I'm out of money. Why am I out of money in my account? And she said, it might be because you're not checking and keeping your checkbook. And it was. He needed to be able to do that. So that means you got to compare the checks, compare the deposits and withdrawals, record the differences, and keep up with it and add any new credits and subtract the debits, all those things. The two numbers don't match. Guess what? you got to fix it. you got a mistake somewhere. It needs to be fixed. So the fifth tip is don't send, do not use credit cards wrongly or carelessly. A plan for financial freedom is a procedure for freedom, and that means you got to start with the right desire. you got to have a desire to do what I'm talking about, and then it's going to take you time. It didn't take you much time to get into debt, but guess what? It's going to take you a lot of time to get out of debt. It takes you longer to get out of it than it does to get in it. Trust me, I'm always trying to get out of debt. I'm still trying to get out of debt. didn't take me long to do it. It just was a swoop of an ink pen or the swipe of a credit card, and I'm in it. But it takes a long time to get out of it. And then financial freedom requires that you got to have a plan, and you have to have a plan as to what you're going to do. So here's how Christians should handle their money. First of all, you've got to live it. You've got to plan there in that packet, and you'll see what is the semblance of a budget. You'll see on those sheets there, if you'll turn with me, at the top of it, it says living expenses. So I want to call it to your attention because that's what I'm talking about. You need to come up with a budget for your home and for your family. And you've got to do that by putting together what your credit is and putting all kinds of credits that you've got there, your fixed amounts, and then over to the right, you'll see other things that you've got there. Electricity, water bill, gas bill, garbage collection, all those nice things. And guess what? There's some categories on this sheet that you probably don't even budget for. Like we're all going to buy Mama a birthday gift if Mama's still living. But I bet you don't put it in your budget. And a lot of people, we're going to always go on vacation. And you know how most people go on vacations nowadays? Well, we're going to go on vacation. Bless God, we might let the house go for a month, but we're going to take that trip. And we'll just get behind on the house one payment, and we'll catch it up later. Don't worry about it. That's how a lot of people do it. Now, y'all smiling at me like, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Those people do that, right? They do it all the time, and you may have done it yourself. And then also there's things down here like laundry and dry cleaning. 
And so you got a budget for all those things. Clothing. All of those things have to be allocated. And so it starts with having a goal. So you got to, first of all, you got to have a savings of 10%. So if you're going to get out of debt, here's the big picture. You save 10%. That's for an emergency fund of three months income. Anybody in financial planning will tell you you need to have three months back, back up for income in an emergency fund. Why would you have to have three months? Remember I said this morning that it, uh, every man in America today, a third of the men are going to become disabled, either part, partially disabled for a short-term period of time or long-term. You know how long it takes to get short-term disability going? Three months. Who's going to pay your bills when you wait for that to come in? Nobody, if you're not prepared. The second is so you can have a cash buying account. There's two different prices on stuff you buy. There's a price you pay for it when you pay for it with a credit card, and there's a price you pay for it when you pay for it with cash. And so if you've got cash, cash speaks louder than the credit. Because you can pay for it and ask for a better price on things because you're buying with cash. Now, it's going to feel like you're just killing yourself because you're spending cash and you're paying off debt at the same time. But the reality of it is it'll eventually get better. Now, notice the other thing, living expenses. Living expenses should be 70% of your expendable income. Remember we talked about expendable income? Then you talked about taking your taxes off, your tithe off, and then you get the spendable income. So it's got to come to be 70% and debt reduction 20%. So what am I saying to you? All right, let me put it to you this way. Here's all your 70% stuff. House payment, car payment, house insurance, utilities, repairs, upkeep, all of those kind of things. And your car expenses. One car is what we're talking about here. Gas, oil, etc. Things to be included. Medical expenses. Life insurance. The dry clean. Furniture. You know, all that stuff tears up eventually. We've got to fix it. Or we've got to get rid of it and replace it. Here's the things you've got to watch. If you're going to get out of debt, you've got to watch about expensive foods. Eating out. I was telling Mike at dinner, at hot dog dinner tonight, that one of our preachers... Invited me to go to Five Guys and Fries, the new one up here in Conyers. Now, they got a pretty good hamburger, but you know what? Me and him got a hamburger. We split order fries, got two drinks, and spent $25. And I'm sitting there looking across at the Whopper place, and they got two for 10 over there. And I'm like, why am I over here spending $25 on hamburger? He was spending his money. At least he wasn't spending mine. But the reality of it is eating out costs a lot of money. Furnishings and equipment, life insurance, clothes, all those things you have to watch carefully, and shop sales and that sort of thing, particularly if you're on a limited income. So here's what we're talking about. Gross earnings, you subtract your tithe, your income, and Social Security tax, and then you come up with your net income. So whatever that amount is that's left, then you got to say, okay, I'm going to save 10% of that. I'm going to live on 70%. And then I'm going to pay off debt with 20% of it. So that means you've got to recalibrate your amounts of what you're spending right now.
Because what most of us are doing right now is we're living off 110% of the income. So you're going from 110 to 70. You okay out there? You hear what I'm saying? If you're going to get out of debt, that means you've got to reduce your expenditures from 110 to 70. That means you've got to tighten the belt. You've got to watch the budget. You've got to watch your spending. And you've got to be able to do that and be disciplined about it if you want to get out of debt. So here's an example. Here's a family, annual income, gross income, 60000 Tithe, 10%. That's 6000 Taxes, 15% of your gross income. So now it's probably more than that. Okay? But this is, common, this is just an example. Networking income is 45000 Now, here's what happens. You go to buy a house, and what do they tell you when you go to buy a house? What is your income? I have done it again. I hit escape that time. Help me out. Help me out. Here we go. Jody, thank you. God bless Jody. Uh, best thing ever happened to David. Amen? <laughs> All right. Okay. I think I'm way ahead of myself, so let me back up. Here's the example again. All right, here you go. So what they're going to ask you is, I was trying to get fancy, and I'm not a fancy person. They're going to ask you about your income, and they're going to say, how much you make? And on your W-2, they're going to look at the 60000 and they're going to base your house payment off the 60000 You follow me? They're going to base your car payment off the 60000 if that were you and you're making 60000 But see, you're not living off 60000 You're living off 45000 And you're really not living off 45000 because you look down below there and it says 10% savings, 4500 Living expense, 315000 Debt reduction, 9000 for a total of 45000 So you really live, and instead of off of 60000 you're living off thirty-one five. You okay out there? You follow the math and what we're trying to say? And so that's why when you go to buy something, and they say, oh, yeah, you can afford that, you need to say, oh, I can't either. Because you're looking at the figure that I'm not looking at. I'm not basing it off that gross figure. I'm basing it off a net figure where I'm trying to get out of debt. So how do you do that? You got to start with your total income, take the tithe off first, subtract the income taxes. After that, they're subtracted. Then you come down to your working income, 10% to savings, that emergency fund again, and the cash buying fund. And savings should be deposited in an interest-bearing account if you can get it Well, it has anything to it. So here's an example how to get out of debt. You've got these two sheets in that material. One says option one. The other one says option two. So let's say if 20% of your working income is greater than required payments. In other words, you figure out how much your working income really is. That example at $160,000 was how much? $31,500. So in this example, the total amount for repayment that you got to put toward paying off stuff is actually $625. But look at the error there, and the required payments is $545.
So guess what? You've got a little bit more money extra. You've got $80 extra. You see that? So what are you going to do with the $80 extra? You're going to add the $80 to your Dillard's bill, which has a $700 balance. It's your lowest balance account. And all that's required that Dillard wants is $30 in the payment, but you're going to send them $80 more. So instead of sending them $30, you're sending them $110. And when you get it paid off, then you're going to take the $110 and add it to the pennies account and pay off the pennies bill. And you keep working it down. Make sense? And you work it down, and then you take the pennies bill and the money you got for it, and after you pay pennies off, you take... um, that and add it to the furniture that you finance with the finance company and you keep working the way down until you get out of those debts that you've created and so that's the way that you try to get out of debt and in order to do it in a logical way so does that make sense nod your head this way if it don't no, i have no idea i'll talk to you later okay here's the other one if you have option two where your debt repayment exceeds the amount of money you've got. In other words, you got more month than you got money. And you're trying to use dispendable income. How are you going to do that? Well, then what you're going to do in that situation, you're going to start with your biggest debt and your biggest interest rate. And you go right the opposite. You see the interest rate there on that uh, visa bill is 21.7%. You only got $625 to pay, and so you got $20,070 total debt that you owe. So you're going to take and you're going to divide and say, okay, that visa bill is 21% of that total debt that I got. So I'm going to take 21% of my $625 figure, and I'm going to send... The visa folks, $135.62. You might say, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute, preacher. They want a lot more than $130 from me. That's where you're going to have to pick up your phone and tell them, I created this debt, and I can't pay all this debt off right now, and all I can send you is this. Will you work with me? Now, guess what? They got a lot of people that aren't working with them at all. They got a lot of people that aren't even calling them and aren't even letting them know what's going on with their debt. And most times you'll find that some of them, not all of them, will work with you. I'll also send Joe, the responsible one over here, a letter. Where did he go? He's done left. He's back there. Yes, I see that hand, Joe. Thank you. He's already making a commitment tonight. Praise God, Pastor. I know you're proud of your son. So a letter, a sample letter that you can send to your creditor to say, hey, this is it. This is all I can afford. I'm trying to get out of debt, and I'm going to send you this amount of money. Now, you may say, they won't take less than that payment. Some of them will. Some of them won't. But you won't know till you ask, and you got to ask them. My grandmother was over here at what was Newton Medical, and it's changed its name three or four times to protect the innocent. But, you know, now it's something that's Piedmont Newton, right, Ed? Okay. And she had a big bill over there, and they called for her to pay that whole thing. She's on a fixed income. She said, I can't pay that thing off. And you know what? She said, I can send you $15 a month. And I'm proud of my grandma. Before she passed, you know what? She paid that bill off for that surgery she had, 
at $15 a month until she did it. And they never came after her. They never complained about it. But she was able to take care of her obligation all by herself. So here's the reality. 70% of working income is for, or is for fixed or living expense, 20% on debt retirement. When your debts are paid off, you continue paying the 20% for future planning. That's where the grace giving comes in. Or maybe you think you're going to help your children with their education. You're going to put some more money back for retirement. Or you're going to pay off your house early. And all of those things are a, you're able to be able to do because you've gotten off de- out of debt. Or you might even be able to walk into a car dealership, like I heard a man tell me not long ago, and pay cash for the car and write a check. Because you're not having to finance the car anymore. You've got the cash that you've saved for the car. And you can say, what is the cash price? I'm going to write you a check for that car. And guess what? It's a whole lot less than you would imagine if you didn't pay cash for it. And then consider, uh, as well, driving something that's not brand new. The cars today cost more than my house did when I first bought it. It's crazy, isn't it? And so why would you want to drive something off the lot that immediately when it loses value when you drive it off the parking lot of the car dealership? So my suggestion is buy used. If anybody's looking for one, I got a used Ford Explorer out there in the parking lot, sport track. It's only got 245,000 miles on it, and I'm still doing it. It's still running it. Second transmission, second air conditioner. But you know what? Me putting all that into it is a whole lot cheaper than a car payment because I'm paying off debt. And I'm going to pay off debt, and I'll run it till the wheels fall off of it. And that's what I intend to do. Unless one of y'all will make me a real sweet deal tonight for a 2005 sport track. Don't everybody raise your hand at once. I'll take bids on it, okay? All right. So here's what we're talking about. You've got to come up also with an amortization schedule if you want to try to take care of paying off your house early, guess what? All you got to do is call your lending company and say, I need an amortization schedule on my house. My parents paid off a 30-year mortgage in 15 years. And how did they do it? Because you'll notice on this example here, how much of the payment on the first payment is principal and how much is interest? So what they did is they got that amortization schedule, and it shows on this example the principal on the first payment is $67.10. That's how much my mother sent in addition to her regular payment. And she did that every month. The next month it was $67.55. And you're making two car payments. You're making two house payments. You're not making double if your house payment is $600 or $700. You're just paying the principal payment. And you'll pay your house off in half the time that you owe on your house if you'll simply do that. Now, notice down toward the end of it what the payments are. 160 months into it, your interest is lower and your principal is higher. So the earlier you get started, the better off you're going to be. So financial planning calls for future planning. you got to invest in the future, and there's reasons to do that. To give in order for you to live comfortably, to have the extra income you need, prepare for retirement, 
and help children get the college education they need and help your children and maybe even help your grandchildren and ensure a certain lifestyle that you want and to leave something behind. Here's something else you probably never thought about. And I want you to think about this. What you going to leave once you're gone? Who you going to leave it to? Now, I don't know about you, but my kids have different values than I do. And my kids, I hope, aren't going to need what little bit that I may have left, if I have anything left. So who are you going to leave it to? Have you ever thought about leaving something to your church in your will? Have you ever thought about buying an insurance policy, which would be pennies on the dollar, and making the beneficiary your church or some Christian cause? Zion Baptist Church out here that I mentioned earlier, one of their entire parking lots was paid for by a gift out of somebody's will. Somebody that loved their church enough to say, I'm going to leave the church in my will. When I die, my Christian will already has in there that 10% tithe, get that part, of my estate is going to the new church foundation that we have at Stone Mountain Association. So it's already, it's already been decided. 10% of that, not out of, the, out of the remainder, out of the top is going to go for new church starts. And so I just encourage you, think about the testimony you're going to leave after you're dead and gone and what kind of witness you can be. Financial freedom for the future includes training our children to handle money. That means you've got to teach them the right attitude toward money. And you, trust me, these people that sell stuff in the stores, I worked in grocery stores, they know where to strategically put the candy and the toys so that you're standing in line and those kids are driving you crazy wanting you to buy stuff. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. So we have to teach them about what they need. Start with the foundational principle. God owns it all. You don't own anything. And then teach that to the children at home and teach them how to save. And then continue with the day-by-day principles to depend on God to meet their needs. If our children see us depending on God to meet their, our needs, guess what? They're going to start depending on God to meet their needs as well. They need to teach them how to be good workers, save their money, and be able to make the right kind of lifestyle choices. And then teach them the value of money and teach them by example, verbal teaching, and your expectations of what they do with the money. And then we got to teach our kids responsibility, allow children the freedom of making some decisions and allow them to fail from time to time. The reason some of our kids are in the shape they're in is because we never let them fail. Allow them to suffer when appropriate and give them the appropriate consequences. My daughters were given a gas allowance for their car. And when that car allowance got finished, guess what? That car got parked. I didn't give them more money to run that car because they already had enough money to run that car. They just didn't use it wisely. Teach basic abilities for handling finances. Ability one, teach them how to develop a financial plan themselves and how to have an allowance and teach them how to use it wisely. And uh, going on as they grow older, allow children to earn money by doing things around the house. And then when they're moving to high school, allow them to work outside the home so they understand the work ethic and teach them how to perform other things for pay. I thought it was ludicrous that my mother and dad insisted 
that I go and cut my grandparents' grass and never charge them a penny. I was getting money from everybody else cutting grass. I might as well get out of grandma. But they wouldn't let me do that because they said, you're going to do that one without pay because she's your grandmother. Teach good record keeping to them and teach them how to make the right kind of purchases. I'll never forget, Amy went on a mission trip. She came back. Y'all never had this happen to y'all. Kathy took her to the store. She was buying school, back to school clothes and shoes. And she said, Amy, we have a budget. And this is how much Dad and I are going to be able to pay for those tennis shoes. And that's all we're going to pay for. Well, they get to the store, and guess what? They get into this big, long negotiation about those tennis shoes for that amount of money wasn't what Amy wanted. Amy wanted the more expensive shoes, don't they all? And so she said, well, Amy, if you want those shoes, you're going to have to use some of your money. Oh, my gosh, you thought we shot the Pope. Use her money? Uh-uh, no way. We're just going to use your money, not my money. And finally, they came to an agreement. Amy got the shoes she wanted. They're on the way back home, and Amy begins to cry. And she said, Mom, you got to take me back to the store. And Kathy said, I just came from the store. There's no way I'm going back to the store and battle you again about shoes. She said, no, Mom, you got to realize I got to go back to that store because I got to take these shoes back. Because God just showed me on the way home that I just left a country where the kids didn't have shoes. And now I bought a pair of shoes that I don't really need. I just need shoes. But I don't need these shoes. Please let me take them back so that I can get me an adequate pair of shoes for school. I would say her mama did very well and turned around and took her back because she learned the real value of what she was doing. So, handling the money carefully means that God is the owner. We got to put things in the right priority and your goals to be debt-free. So I hope you'll use the sheets that have been provided, that you'll take advantage of that. If you've got questions, that you'll give, give me a call or ask me afterwards, and that you'll work toward getting out of debt so that you can use your money the way that God wants you to use your money for his purposes and that you can plan for the future. So I appreciate you coming tonight, listening to that. Hopefully you've picked up some things that will be helpful to you.